this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Now, before I start talking about this 100th episode and everything I have in store for you today, I'd like to first announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 99 was entered to win the beautiful skein of distinctly alpaca yarn from the Black Wolf Fiber Company. I randomly chose between the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Jill, or J. Rochelle on Ravelry. Congratulations, Jill. I'll be in touch with you shortly to get this beautiful skein out in the mail. Now, if you've been listening a while, you probably know that I started this podcast in 2008. I was in my mid-20s at the time, working part-time at my local yarn shop teaching classes with an adorable two-year-old daughter at home who I loved to knit for. Fast forward to 2016, And that two-year-old is now almost 11, and her baby brother is almost five. A lot of things have happened over the years. I've moved several times and lots of life changes. Of course, I'm still an obsessed knitter, of course. But knitting is also very much so my job at this point in my life. Over the past eight years, I've self-published five knitting books and have designed many, many patterns. I also started our family wholesale distribution company called NNK Press, and a year ago, I opened up my own tiny little yarn shop, which I absolutely love. These days, I'm busier than I ever have been before. When I began this podcast, my goal always was to make it to 100 episodes. It's such a nice, impressive, big, round number, you know? And I'm really happy that today, eight years later, that goal has finally been reached. I hope that you listening throughout the years have great memories from the podcast as I do. I will always remember the great interviews that I've shared with talented people in the industry and the tears and laughter I've experienced listening to all of the stories that you've contributed. This podcast also serves as a bit of a personal record of my life for me. I listen to back episodes and hear little snippets of my kids when they were just babies, and I get to relive those special times. So I'm really grateful that I have that. But since life and circumstances change and evolve with time, I think episode 100 is a great place to say goodbye to the Never Not Knitting podcast in its current form. You still may hear from me from time to time, but I'm just no longer in a position to stick with a podcast schedule, as I previously once was. Thank you so much for understanding this, and thank you for listening for all of this time, for the amazing support you've shown me over the years. This podcast certainly has brought a lot of joy to my life and amazing opportunities. I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful to each and every one of you for making this such a positive experience. Thank you so much. 
So to celebrate 100 episodes of Never Not Knitting, I'd like to now share your stories and contributions. Since my last episode, several of you sent me some little messages, some stories, and even a poem. I'm also including a short story in this lineup that was submitted years ago that I was never able to share. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Alana. My name is Amanda Hill, and I'm from South Jordan, Utah. I learned to knit 16 years ago when I married a man who loves to watch television. I have nothing against television. I just find I can't sit still doing nothing for such a long time. So I contacted my aunt who has knit all her life and she taught me. My husband and children are always teasing me about my constant knitting. As most of us do, I have multiple projects going and I take my knitting with me wherever I go. Once when I was listening to your podcast, my then 11 year old heard the song you play at the end. She fell in love with it and replayed it again and again until she had most of it memorized. From there, she taught the others. I have five children. And now whenever someone asks me for something and I'm knitting, I will respond, just let me finish up this row. Then they burst into song and tease me about my knitting. It's fun, but I feel, however, it does help their perception of my knitting time because I do at least brush my teeth, comb my hair, do the dishes, and generally keep up with the laundry. Thanks for the fun podcast. Hi, Alana. This is Leslie from Central Texas, and I wanted to congratulate you for the 100th podcast that you are recording, and I just wanted to take you back to memory lane back in 2008 when you did the uh, Dad Sweater podcast. I remember that one well. You were um, finished with the sweater and needing to have the zipper put in, but you were not um, a seamstress back then and you had to send it off to have someone else do it for you. And now, uh, just eight years later, you have become a beautiful seamstress. I see the lovely dresses that you make for your daughter on Instagram, and they're just simply gorgeous, just like your daughter. And I just wanted to help you remember how far you've come in that area. You're, um, as always, love listening to your podcast and uh, your beautiful designs are just gorgeous and, and um, a joy to knit. So I thank you very much and look forward to many more podcasts. Take care. Coastal Seasons, a poem about knitting on the California Central Coast. Fall, autumn, pumpkin spice, cooler weather, woolly knits, falling leaves. In the background, I can hear the report a weatherman. Today will be another scorcher. 95, 97, 100 degrees. I put away my knitting, a bulky yarn sweater. Instead, a lace weight shawl. Hi, Alana. My name is Kathleen. I am Sweet Tart 77 on Ravelry, and I have a podcast, Make This From That. Uh, also an Etsy shop, Make This From That. So I wanted to congratulate you on this amazing milestone. Uh, thank you so much for the work that you do. You are such an inspiration to me and I know to others. And uh, I look forward to many milestones of yours to come. You have such a great future ahead of you, no doubt. So once upon a time, I was, you know, having a normal day, having a normal evening and uh, asleep in my bed at four o'clock in the morning when my husband woke me up. 
and was experiencing some pretty intense abdominal pain and he has a history of kidney stones and we know the drill of going off to the hospital to have them addressed. So he woke me up at four o'clock in the morning and said, eh, I've been up for a couple hours. It doesn't look good. Um, I think we need to go to the emergency room. So I kind of blinked and splashed some water on my face, uh, threw on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and jumped in the car with him and got him to the hospital. Uh, so anybody who's ever gone to the hospital emergency room knows that unless you are bleeding profusely or, uh, unconscious, they will analyze the situation and triage you accordingly, um, to your, your, your level of, of, you know, injury. So apparently they didn't think his injury was that much of an emergency because we sat there for over three hours before we were even looked at by a doctor. You know where this is going, right? I had no knitting with me. So, you know, I'm in the waiting room and I don't have control over the remote control. It's, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning. You know, there's just morning television on whatever. And that was, that was it. And of course, tending to my husband, which really didn't take a lot because he was just sort of sitting there sweating in pain. Finally, you know, the doctor came in, examined him, ordered a bunch of tests. They wheeled him out. Now I'm sitting in a curtained emergency room spot. No knitting, no TV, no magazines, no book. This was beef. This is about 10, 12 years ago before smartphones, uh, were carried by everybody. And so I had no, no means of, of even playing solitaire, um, at this point. So I sat for another couple of hours. Turns out he had uh, appendicitis and was going to need surgery. So after another couple of hours preparing for that, with no knitting, no entertainment, no nothing. Uh, they took him down to surgery, said it would be about an hour and a half, and they would like me to stay, you know, don't go anywhere so that the doctor can come out and talk to you when the surgery is over. So I didn't even have the opportunity to run home and grab some knitting. Uh, I had a teenage son at home at the time, and you know, if I had called him, I didn't have anything cast on. I didn't even have a project bag that he could grab. I didn't, if he, if I had asked him to get me some knitting, no matter what I described to him, he would have showed up with size 14 needles and lace weight yarn. So, you know, although at that point, to be honest with you, I probably could have done something with that. More time passes. It wasn't an hour and a half. It was two and a half hours. The doctor came out finally. Everything was fine. He said, but you know, I had a hard time finding the darn thing, you know, he said in his best professional voice, I'm sure, but, you know, kind of not what you want to hear. Anyway, my husband was fine. He went into recovery. He went into his room. Another couple of hours passed. Uh, he remained asleep in his room. At least this point, I had control over the, uh, the remote control. And so I had the choice of, you know, four o'clock afternoon TV, which was like Judge Judy and Geraldo. Oh, you know, it was just at that point, I was just throwing up my hands. You know, this is, this is unbelievable. 
So I stayed with him about t till about 10 o'clock that evening, made sure he had something to eat and kept him company, and he slept most of the time, and I sat there bored most of the time. I got home 10 o'clock after an 18-hour day, pretty much, um, and I started casting things on and stuffing them in bags, and I started putting those bags everywhere, in every room, in every closet. I had one in the basement. I had one in my car, and it has been in my car ever since, and I have never been without my knitting in any given situation since. We will go on a trip for a week, and I might not have my toothbrush, but I will have four projects with me. And my husband will look at me and just shake his head and I'll be like, dude, it's your fault. You know, it's the, the appendicitis episode. When I look back and think about all those hours and all that I could have gotten accomplished on my knitting needles that day, it'll never happen again. I do fear boredom, I think, now more than anything. And I am never without my, my knitting. And, uh, so anyway, that's my story. And Alana, thank you again so much for the inspiration that you provide. I am so happy for you. And I'm so fortunate to have the blessings that you provide us knitters with in my life, um, on an ongoing basis. Congratulations and all the best. Stage knitting. Charlie, you should be knitting, Travis said. We were staging a dressing room scene in the musical La Cajo Fall at an outdoor theater in Oakland, California. We all had business we were doing. Rod was fluffing his hair, Travis was eating, Oscar was touching up his makeup. I loved the suggestion. Then I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool to start a project, only work on it on stage, and have it done when the show ends? Well, it would be cool, I told myself, but also impossible in this situation. The scene was very short, and there were only eight shows. So I grabbed my current project, a bright red cardigan. Unfortunately, I quickly learned that it was too big for me to hold in the scene, what with all the blocking and gestures. So I resigned myself to making a little swatch. I only worked on it during the scene and a few minutes before each night. Knitting in the wings felt good. It melted away the anxiety that usually comes over me before an entrance. And it felt even better to know that I could keep knitting on stage. Even though I've acted in many plays, I still get nervous when I say lines. Now that energy was coming out of my fingers, creating a four inch wide piece of stockinette. On closing night, after doing that scene for the last time, I binded it off during intermission. It had somehow grown to six inches in length. Could I make something out of it after all? I folded it in half and Eureka! I would fashion it into a coin purse to hold all the loose change in my gym bag. I had a long break until my next entrance, so I seamed the folded swatch, leaving a space to squeeze coins in and out of. It's not pretty since I did lose a stitch or two on stage that I never bothered to fix, but it is useful. More importantly, it brings back many fond memories. The wasa crisp bread that Travis pretended to eat, Rod's bit about ratatouille that none of us understood, the hundreds of audience members who witnessed its creation over the eight performances, including my friends and family, many of whom complimented my knitting choice. Also the thrill that I felt when my big line got a big laugh, and how I retreated to my knitting after saying it so that I could keep a straight face. I don't know when I'll have the opportunity to do stage knitting again. 
but if I do, my needles will be ready. I should probably start this story out with some background. My grandmother used to have her own yarn store in the house I now inherited from my grandparents, and after she closed there was still quite a bit of yarn left. This, of course, was a great place to be for a young girl into crafts. I can't pinpoint the exact age I started to knit as it's already too far back in time for me to remember. I was probably around 8 though when I started making my first ribnet headbands, being too unfamiliar with sizes and gauge to make beanies, and, as usual, far too stubborn and hopelessly independent to ask about the number of stitches or find a pattern. That's kinda a trait I still have, but oh well. Despite making a whole lot of headbands though, I can't remember actually wearing any of them myself, funnily enough. I can't recall why, but it's probably related to the fact that looking back at them now, they were far from pretty. Anyway, being a young girl I found some leftover yarn from her and I really like the colors. And they fit my age to say the least. Bright pink and very purple, knit together on needles that were definitely too big for them. It was probably a double DK weight yarn on 6 or 7 millimeter needles. Maybe if I'd made the yarn twice as thick it would have formed a nicer and less sloppy stitch definition, but well, I did not. Anyway, I'd make these headbands and at some point my grandpa got one. Now, my grandpa wasn't exactly feminine. He had grown up with hard work from a young age. He was skilled with both carpentry and welding, as well as fixing things in not necessarily conventional, but most definitely practical ways. Not the kind you'd imagine in, say, a pink and purple headband, poorly knit by a young girl. When clearing out the old stuff from a drawer, though, I saw it again. Those bright colors nearly hurt my eyes when I saw it. Turns out he's actually worn it a few times when carrying in wood. My name is Alice, and I've been knitting for, I guess, about seven years now. And it took a, a while for me to really get comfortable with knitting and get comfortable with being able to read my knitting. And so until I got there, anytime I knew I had made a mistake, um, you know, maybe my stitch count was off or things just didn't look right. The only way I, I, I couldn't tell what I'd done wrong. So the only way I could really fix it was just to rip back and it really wasn't even ripping back because I was afraid of, of ripping back. So I would tink back one stitch at a time until it seemed like everything was right again. And then I would just start again. So I decided at one point, I think I'd only been knitting maybe a year, year and a half that I was going to make a pair of hand warmers and I think, I'm not sure, this might have been my first knitting in the round that maybe I made a hat before that, uh, but I was still very, very new to knitting in the round, very new to using DPNs, and I picked this pair of hand warmers that were ridiculously difficult looking back on it. Um, they had a 2x2 two two rib um, wrist and palm, and then the other side that faces the great outdoors uh, was kind of a complex cable pattern. And I was super into cables and I really loved cables and I absolutely wanted to make these hand warmers. And so I gotta tell you, these hand warmer, hand warmers caused me so much trouble. Um, so, and, and what happened was I started knitting the first one and it, it was a big struggle to get it started. And then finally got it started. And of course, in the beginning, you're just doing the wrist. So it's just two by two rib. It's fine. And then I got to the cable and the cable was going okay. And I put it down. 
And, you know, a couple of days later, I picked it up and, and I started knitting. And I'm pretty sure in my recollection, this was like a Saturday. So I had lots of time. And I think I knit about an inch, inch and a half more. And then I kind of, you know, sat back and looked at it. And I went, oh, my goodness, there's this is something's really wrong. Like there's this is weird. And I couldn't figure out what I had done wrong. I was just looking at it and I was just really confused. I, I just couldn't figure it out, but just something was completely wackadoo. Like, okay. Um, something's just not right. I'm just going to have to rip it back. So I tinked back all of those stitches and probably what happened is I probably set it aside and had lunch or something. And then I went back and started going again, like, okay, you know, I'm going to start again. I'm going to pay closer attention to the directions and maybe it'll be right this time. And I went again and I knit maybe, I don't know, half an inch or so. And it was still weird. I was so confused. And I mean, now I think about it, it's funny, but at the time I was so angry and I was so frustrated that I just threw it in the corner and I was like, that's it. We're done here. We're not doing this. And it sat in the corner for probably, you know, a week or two. And I went back finally and was like, okay, I'm ready to look at this and figure out what the heck. And I pulled it out and I looked at it and I realized what happened was when I picked it up, you know, I had gotten started on the cables and, and picked it up to keep going. I had accidentally flipped it inside out. And it was not obvious to me because where I would start knitting was on the palm and that's where it was a two by two rip. So it was exactly the same on the inside and the outside. So I had no idea and I just started knitting the wrong way. And so like the cables were on the inside. <laughs> and so that's why when I was looking at my finished piece, like it was just wrong. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, when I realized that was what happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made that mistake. So, you know, I was able to write back and keep going, but I have to tell you those hand warmers, I, I mean, I had so many errors with those hand warmers. I think it took me like nine months to make them. Um, it was crazy and I wasn't working on anything else. It, that was the only project. Um, but you know what? In the process, I learned so much about how to read my knitting just because it was complicated and I kept making mistakes and having to rip back and, and, um, yeah, it was just a really, really educational project. And I feel like looking back on it, that, that I crossed a threshold at some point making those hand warmers and my projects after that, things were just a lot smoother and so, you know, I look at them, I can, I can wear them. They came out okay. Um, and I just look at those very fondly as those hand warmers that were such a great educational experience. Well, everyone, thank you again to all of you who have contributed to this episode. And again, to all of you listening. If you'd like to keep in touch, you will find me online under the name Never Not Knitting on Ravelry, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also visit my website and there you can join my email list to stay up to date and also contact me. And my website is nevernotknitting.com. And of course, I hope that you will stop by and say hi in person someday at my little shop. I hope that all of you have a wonderful knitting season. Thank you again. See you around. 
she won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking from morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants. No shirts. No underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yarn in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry It's even in the washer and dryer That's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, "Get up, let's go." But she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad She just won't stop her stitching And well, she's losing all she had